Hello and welcome to another episode of Footnotes, my PhD in the making. This is the podcast where I honestly reflect on my PhD journey, taking you along with me. I'm Carlotta, nice that you're here, now let's get started. Hey and welcome back to Footnotes, it's Thursday again. So far I've talked a lot in this podcast about methodological choices, about my concerns with ethics, choosing the context, my frustration with the PhD timeline and how much power there lies within the words that we choose to use. I've received messages from some of you asking me what I'm actually researching and what I'm doing in my PhD. While this podcast is primarily about reflecting on my PhD journey and some of the episodes I actually use as a part of my methodological section, I've thought carefully how I can still answer to these questions. So broadly speaking, (laughs) I'm interested in education and peace. I'm interested in comparative education, in participatory and arts-based methodologies, in alternative ways of education and educational reforms. How can we make our educational systems better and more fit for the future and for the next generations? I'm also really into thinking about ethics of care, inner peace, positive peace and how all of these topics are connected. I haven't really found a way to say this without sounding very cheesy. But I really believe that education is one of the only tools that we have for peace building and to bring about sustainable change in society. Politics, diplomacy, all of these tools are so important and we really need them. But if we don't change the root cause of where the human thinking is coming from, we cannot have sustainable change. Imagine if you draw all of these topics in big circles on an A5 sheet, where you have in the middle this intersection of international development, peace building, education, educational reforms, radical thinking, methodological alternatives. That is my PhD project. I'm looking at how the Montessori method, which is an alternative way of education in different cultural contexts and within different communities, creates more peaceful students. Rather than telling you exactly what I'm planning to research without doing the context justification, I decided to just give you a brief explanation of what Montessori education is and why I decided to explore this in more depth during my PhD. I couldn't do Montessori education justice in such a short podcast episode, so I'm not trying to tell you what exactly it is. Rather, I want to give you a glimpse into what it would look like if you enter a Montessori classroom. Okay, I hope you're ready for a little mind game. Imagine, you enter a classroom with about 30 children between six to nine years old. They're sitting all over the floor in small groups, individually. They're walking between round carpets, small tables and shelves full of wooden material. There seems to be chaos, but when you look closer, it nearly seems as if there's an unspoken choreography to this messiness. All the children are explaining complex mathematical functions to younger ones, A boy sits quietly by himself, reading a book about whales. A group of students is eagerly cutting up apples and bananas for a lunch snack, chatting away. And a teacher is showing two girls where the capital of Mozambique is on a big map. Although I'm new to this scenario, I quickly detected that there seems to be a natural logic to this classroom flow. The boy reading about whales gets up. He puts his book away. He confidently walks to a shelf picks up some paper and starts writing a story about Abu the whale. He draws pictures, he carefully spells letters, although they're still mirrored, (laughs) 
and he recreates what he has just been reading about. Cut apples are served by the two six-year-olds, the cubing functions have been explained, and Maputo has been successfully pinned on the map. Pooh, what a sight! <laughs> what a sight for all of those who are remembering your own school time. There are no rows of desks, no teacher giving instructions, telling anyone what to do, no children having to raise their hand to ask if they can go to the toilet, there are no tests or grades, and it just seems like the whole system is working in itself. Maybe you're wondering now, who is this Montessori and what did she do? So I don't want to give you her whole biography, but Maria Montessori was actually Italy's first certified female doctor and she established this method during her observations as a medical professional studying children with disabilities in the Casa dei Babini, which is in one of Rome's poorest areas. And this happened in 1907. Already back then, Montessori noted that the traditional education does not allow children to flourish and to reach their full cognitive and social-emotional potential. Way before being a feminist activist was in or even acceptable, Dr. Montessori advocated strongly for children's rights and for radical education reforms in front of the United Nations. Her secret? She actually made a very simple observation, which is if you align education with the child's individual psychological development, learning will happen naturally. I discovered during my research now that there's so much popular literature on Montessori. There's films, there's novels, there's podcasts, there's TED Talks, there's parent forums. Don't ask why a 25-year-old should be uh, in parent forums about Montessori education. But um, yeah, there's a lot out there. And while I would say there's this kind of Montessori hype of Montessorians and people who have their own children in Montessori classrooms or, or who teach Montessori, there's also many critical voices. I would like to share five of these criticisms, just so you can make your own balanced opinion on Montessori education. The first one is that Montessori education does not fit with the current assessment model. As I said, there's no grades in Montessori, and it seems that parents are the people who struggle most because they cannot imagine a future for their children without grades to show to future employees or to universities. The second criticism is that there is no one description of what a Montessori classroom looks like. I gave you an example of classrooms similar to the ones I have been in so far, but there is no trademark on Montessori. There is no rule book of what makes or breaks a Montessori classroom. There's various international organizations who certify Montessori schools, but a lot of the confusion around Montessori is because there's such a high variation in the execution of the Montessori approach. The third criticism is that there's no quality secondary program, and often Montessori is confused to only be for preschool children or early childhood education. Dr. Montessori herself did not write about the secondary years in so much detail, and there surely is no curriculum or established materials. What she did say, though, is that teenagers have to see a value in the education that they do. They have to work with their hands, for example, on farms or creating businesses or, yeah, just seeing the logic in why they're learning and feeling part of this world. The fourth criticism is that Montessori is perceived to be very elite and very expensive. <laughs> this is mostly due because Montessori is an alternative form of education. And, for example, in Switzerland, where I am from, all alternative educations are happening in private schools and are therefore a lot more expensive because they aren't subsidized by the government. However, fun fact, 
In Thailand, for example, more and more government schools are becoming Montessori. Similarly, in the US, there already are now public schools in some of the most underprivileged areas that use the Montessori approach and that have shown amazing results in research. The last criticism that I'm sharing with you today is one that actually interests me most for my research. How can Montessori education be a universal pedagogy if it is based on child-centeredness? Child-centeredness and individualism is such a Western concept. Many Eastern and Southern cultures value collectivism, highly respect their elders, and knowledge is passed down through generations rather than explored by a single child. I'm really curious to explore how cultures with different value systems adapt Montessori education to fit their own traditions and contexts. So, yeah, this was a very brief introduction to Montessori education. Still, for my kind of mini-episode formats, this went a little bit over what I hoped for. But I just wanted to give you a glimpse of what makes the system so unique and also what aspects Montessori education is criticized for. I hope you gained some insights on Montessori education. And if you have any more questions about the Montessori approach or my actual research, please feel free to get in touch. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Footnotes, my PhD in the making. I'm Carlotta, take care and stay tuned for more raw reflections in next week's episode.